good morning and grand rising we are here with another monday another amazing and exciting episode of the who do and chill podcast oh my gosh we are back today with who do voices it's been a long time since we've done a who do voices episode so i'm very excited to do this today I'm really excited to even present this speaker. For those of you who have been following our journey or listened to our episode, our interview that we did with Dr. Cosmic last week, I implore you all to take some time today to listen to that. That episode will be live on our podcast shortly. It's so in alignment with the speaker or the interview that I'm going to read for you all today. So if this is your first time here, let me first go in with our show intro on exactly what Hoodoo Voices is. Hoodoo Voices is a series dedicated to giving life to the forgotten and many unknown voices of our Hoodoo culture and history. This series showcases interviews conducted by Harry Hyatt Middleton in the 1930s. These interview excerpts are from his extensive five volume series, Hoodoo, Conjuration, Witchcraft, and Wit Root Work. While we can appreciate this priceless resource of Hoodoo, Black history, we here at Hoodoo Conjure Root Work LLC do not support nor do we condone the manner in which this information was gathered and monetized for financial gain. We can, however, acknowledge Mr. High's extensive work as an, as an essential resource. Today, we are going to be introduced to a doctor who chose to remain anonymous as many of the doctors who chose to give these interviews to Mr. Middleton, they chose to remain anonymous as well. He refers to himself as the doctor whom was born blind. And I think that this is such a great interview and show to do right after Cosmic because first and foremost, this interview derives from South Carolina. And our speaker, of course, is from South Carolina as well. Another thing that I love is that it confirms that Hoodoo is 110% personable, but very regional as well. And for those of you that come to my class, my lectures, or any of my teachings off the air, we often fellowship and break down how our practice is interpreted just based upon where you're from. And I'm seeing a very stark similarity in the work and the resources and the doctors that derive from the South Carolina area. One thing that I can highly say that I'm, I'm noticing is the usage of the Bible. And Cosmic gave us such a great interview and description on how important using the Bible is, how much of a resource and how a lot of the work or the application of the work is derivative of things that you will find in the Bible. And this worker uses the Bible, but also, as you will hear in this interview, speaks on 
how he says, if you don't believe in this work, I can show you in the Bible where it is true since you believe in that. So I thought that that was just such a very stark as well as important reference to note, notate as I was scripting this show. So the way this show is going to go today is first, we are going to get into the life in the background of this doctor, which I think is always important to understand where they come from, uh, their lineage and how they became the worker that they were. Then after we go through his life and his history, we will then open up the floor for his work. This interview gives us three different workings that I am going to give out today that you guys want to stick around for. I think they're really, really good as well. Um, some similarities too. So you want to stick around for that. So we are going to first get into our doctor's life story. And then after that, we are going to get into the workings that are going to be shared with us today. So without further ado, let's take a trip back to 1938 and let's meet our doctor from Florence, South Carolina, who was born blind. The Hoodoo and Chill podcast will return after this short ad break. Hey, are you enjoying the show? If so, don't forget to follow Hoodoo and Chill on Apple and Spotify and leave us a five-star rating. Tell us what you love about the show in the reviews. We love to hear from you. To keep this free content on air, please support the show by sending a donation of love using one of the donation links in the descriptions. Donations keep our podcasts alive and also give us the ability to enhance our content. We graciously thank you for your support. Now, back to the show. Hyatt acts. You say most of the most of the work you do is concerned with women that want a man to love them or or to stop drinking. Yeah. Hyatt says, that's most of the work called women's trouble, isn't it? Women's trouble. Most of the work, most of the trouble is women's trouble. The whole of the witchcraft business is a woman, love, and trouble. Now and then you have a case of non-woman trouble. I have right smart of that. But it's not as fierce as that women trouble or love. They'll pay a fortune for love and to bring a man back. Hyatt asks, Well, tell me something about yourself. How did you learn these things? Did you work with somebody? What about your experiences? I'm the third boy, fourth child out of 16 head. I was born blind. I'm the third boy and the fourth child out of a 16 head. It's been given to me 
and I've studied it for 30 years. You were born blind? Yes, sir. My eyes opened in 14 days. This is significant, okay? And the reason why this is significant for those of you that, well, we are, all should be aware, but for those of you who are unaware or new to this journey or this podcast, who do conjure and root work, the culture, the tradition? I, I personally would like to just say Black culture in America, we have a lot of superstitions, a lot of omens, a lot of things like that. Whether you choose to believe in the practice or not, many of our cultures, all of our cultures have their own regional omens and superstitions. Whether you are from the East Coast, the West Coast, the Midwest or down South, you will find in every black home, in every black neighborhood or community, there are certain omens, traditions, stories, folk tales, all of that. There are even practices that are done regionally and in certain communities that don't have anything to do with hoodoo, conjure, root work at all. And an a easy significance to look at that is with Juneteenth. That's something that has been celebrated in Texas a long time before it was ever a national holiday. So that's just one of the things that I wanted to show that a lot of this is very regional. Okay. So for those of you who don't know, there is an omen or a superstition, um, one of the signs that is plagued on a fetus or um, a newborn child, which is that of not the child's eyes not opening for the first week or the first two weeks. And when this happens, sometimes in certain cultures, it will be a sign of a seer or someone who will have visions or an oracle. In other traditions, this may be interpreted as the mother might have dabbled into witchcraft or the mother herself might have been bewitched or cursed by someone else. So this is actually a very, very important piece of this interview to notate because it teaches you not only the gift that he was born with, but also it opens your eyes up a little bit into Black folk culture and history, learning about our omens and learning about our folk tales and learning about our own superstitions. So for all of my listeners, um, whether you are Black, Brown, what have you, we are an international podcast. I would behoove you, and I'm going to give you some homework today. I want you all to go and learn some of your own family traditions or some of your own omens or some of your own family superstitions. I want to hear what they are. I really would love to hear what they are. Email them to me, sirbeo at hoodooconjurerootwork.com. 
if they're really good, you may even hear me present them here on this podcast. So I'm going to give everyone some homework to do that, to take an opportunity to learn more about your own community or the Black community from where you're living and ask around some of the old people, what are some of the superstitions or some of the legends of our town? And if you're if you're comfortable, I want to hear them. So email me, sirbeo at hoodooconjurerootwork.com. If it's really good, I would love to present it here on our podcast. So moving forward, we are now into our doctors, the beginning of his life story. He was the third son, the fourth child of 16. And he states that the first 14 days of his life, he could not see he was born blind. Hyatt asks, you knew old Dr. Buzzard? You knew him when he, when he was alive? Yeah, I met him 24 years ago. I met him in Hamlet, North Carolina. He was on his way to Tampa. Though we have another buzzard at the same time, he was the latter 10 miles from here. I saw him yesterday. Hyatt asks, there's another one who lives around here now? He don't live here. He he lives in the next city. Let's stop there just for one second. Because even though that is a very, very short excerpt, it's very powerful and it's very historical. For those of you who are unaware, Dr. Dr. Buzzard or Doc Buzzard is a hoodoo legend. He was from Beaufort, South Carolina. Uh, he was very well renowned for his court case work and just the strength and the fluidity of his work. And very sad that, you know, after he passed away, there were so many people who impersonated Dr. Buzzard. And it's kind of hard to track down the things that were authentically his. and the imposters. Now, a little known fact is that there were two Dr. Buzzards in Beaufort, South Carolina at that time. There was the Dr. Buzzard, the black man who himself stated that he derived from a lineage, a royal lineage um, from Africa, and that all of his workings and things were passed down through his lineage from Africa. And then there was another Dr. Buzzard in that town who was also a witch doctor. He was a white man who was a sheriff. And I've spoken on this before um, about the book that he wrote that if you can get for free on the internet, I support that. But anyway, um, moving forward, these two were feuding. This, this, this white sheriff was literally trying to get Dr. Buzzer locked up all the time for malpractice because he was, you know, stating that he was a doctor and during that time if you were not quote unquote a registered doctor or a medical doctor you could be sued or locked up for malpractice and he kept trying to do this to dr buzzard there was one account where he took him to court and the the person who was on the witness stand started foaming at the mouth or something like that and he couldn't talk and you know doc buzzard was able to go free so i find it very very odd coming in well not odd but historically 
accurate that we are reading an interview from someone who confirms the history of Doc Buzzard, that he was alive, that he did walk the streets, he was in this town, but also confirms that the sheriff was actively present at that time too. I think that when he says the latter of Dr. Buzzard, I believe that he is referring to the white man, the sheriff, who was actually doing hoodoo. He was working for a lot of black people, believe it or not. Um, at the same time, trying to get the original Dr. Buzzer locked up for his practice <laughs> that he was basically doing and taking money from him. So that is a um, a story that we probably need to shed more light on later with our Hoodoo Voices and Hoodoo and Chill podcast journey. So I just wanted to give you guys that that Hoodoo history um, right there. And I just found that that was so historically accurate to find that short excerpt in this interview that confirms not only the lineage of the original Dr. Buzzard, but to confirm that there was another one there and that these two were feuding. When you do this sort of thing, do you find that people pay up pretty well? The average one will pay. Well, the average one will not pay. I'll say 20 out of 100 will do that. He'll tell you, will do what he'll tell you. You see, the 80 that come here, that get, you won't see them no more. Hyatt asks, he won't come back again? He won't come back. Does he pay when he comes then? Oh yeah, that's understood strictly from the first. Before we do any business at all. Hyatt asks, and you say that when they don't come back again, what's the matter? Are, are, are they afraid or what? No, they're not afraid. They're not frightened. They gets the work done after a man gets his work done. It's very seldom he pays for it. Hyatt asks, are they afraid to pay for it? They're not afraid to pay for it. Hyatt says, do you mean that your work is cheated? Beaten by deadbeats? No, it's not that way. But eight out of 10, when he gets what he wants and don't have to pay for it, you may not see him no more. The Hoodoo and Chill podcast will return after this short ad break. Why make major decisions without knowing the outcome beforehand? Would you like to know where your relationship is headed? or what the future holds in store for you. Sir Bale and I want to assist you in making all the right decisions so that you may live your best life. Are you seeking a new career? Does your love life need insight? Or maybe you want to connect with your ancestors or past loved ones. The realm of divination holds all the answers to your future. Allow us to use our psychic abilities, bone reading, cardamancy, tarot and mediumship to uncover the answers to your future go to hoodooconjurerootwork.com under classes and services to book your appointment today your spirit guides are waiting to speak to you that's hoodooconjurerootwork.com to uncover your destiny today
Are you enjoying the show? If so, don't forget to follow Hoodoo and Chill on Apple and Spotify and leave us a five-star rating. Would you like to attend an uncut, unedited, live taping of Hoodoo and Chill podcast? Then don't forget to follow Hoodoo Conjure Rootwork on the Clubhouse app and tune in live Mondays and Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern. Also, if you like the content and want to help our ministry grow, please support us by sending a donation of love. The link is in the podcast description. Now, back to the show. For those of you that have been following our Hoodoo Voices journey, you should know that this is not the first or second time that we've heard of our speakers or our interviewers being very vulnerable and being very honest about you know, their finances and their income and the things that they were doing. And even a couple of these workers had other jobs. I wanted to just throw that out there too. Okay. That, you know, even Aunt Caroline, she owned, she owned property, she owned farms. Uh, we had another interviewer, the woman of substance, she owned a hotel in a boarding room house. E.W. Lindsay, I believe that he worked in the steel mills during the day or something like that. I know for a fact that he had a job, but this is not the first time that we are hearing our interviewers or our speakers being vulnerable about being a underpaid or not paid at all or being cheated for their work. And I think that that comes from a lot of different things. First and foremost, I think some of them were not being truthful because you would have been in jail for getting paid to do these type of things. It was illegal. We have to remember that this word and this term, this commercialized word of hoodoo is something that is relatively new. It was not elevated and given the light that we've given it. We have created that light around that term. Okay. There was no name for what we did. People just called it the spiritual business or this, that, and the third. So I think a lot of them are not being honest about it because they don't, they may have thought that Hyatt, you know, was an informant or would have had them locked up. But I think that's a very small portion. Okay. I honestly believe that our ancestors were dealing with a lot of the same financial woes that we as professional spiritualist readers, practitioners, what have you, that many of us still deal with to this day. Um, first and foremost, finding the balance of knowing how much to give away and what needs to be monetized because you have to make a living. You have to keep a roof over your head. Inflation is ridiculous right now. And then we have to find a balance in between these two of where can I still be a service to my community as well as retain a roof and a lifestyle for myself. And I tip my hat to these early workers because we are so spoiled, myself included. We get angry because, you know, our supporters are not tipping us or 
paying for our services or booking us as much as we would like to be booked and all of those things. Or a lot of us feel like, oh, my reading should be way more. This is that. And the third. And you may be very much white. I am not taking that away from you. But then I also think that we have to change the narrative, but as well as know what you got yourself into. And I say that to say that historically, this business has never paid you in the physical way what you think that you should be getting. Okay. Let me say that the physical aspect of money. This journey and this position in life will bless you and take care of you and provide for you. That's the word, provide for you in so many other ways. The connections that you're going to make with your community, the lives that you will change, your life that is going to change, it provides for you in so many different ways. You will find that even if there isn't, quote unquote, a monetized or a monetary value of money coming in the way that you want, your luck is so fluid and so strong in other ways that money, the physical aspect of money isn't always necessary. You will find that doors are opening for you constantly, whether you had to swipe your card or not. Okay, so I did wanted to say that that know what you're getting yourself into any of my listeners who are professional practitioners or aspiring professional practitioners know what you're getting yourself in, into. This is a historically underpaid industry, period. Okay, you are going to have to step outside of the box when it comes to bringing in more monetary value. And that's something that we will talk about at a later date. But back to our interviewer, I just wanted to just tip my hat to him and all of our ancestors for just being so vulnerable and so honest with us. He even gave us a percentage of his retention rate. He says, hey, I do my work, but in this line of business, you will have about a 20 percent retention rate. Okay. And what is retention rate? For any of you out here that are doing readings, this is something you probably want to start looking at more. What is your client retention rate? Meaning if someone booked a reading from you now, what is the probability of them booking with you again consistently? Our ancestors were already talking about algorithm before social media was a thing. Okay, let's really get into this for real. Because it's a small excerpt, but if you really break this down, this man was already gauging his algorithm in percentages before social media was even a thing. This man that is one generation away from slavery, one generation away from slavery, had already gauged his algorithm. And some of you don't even know what your retention rate is on social media, Instagram, your Twitter, or your own LLC. I think that that's phenomenal. And I think that although this is a hoodoo show, sometimes we really need to really dive deep into what our ancestors were doing, that these were not, they weren't dumb. They were not stupid. They were not uneducated. They were so aware that it's 1938 and I'm talking to a black person from the South 
whose father was a slave and he can sit there and tell me what his algorithm retention rate is. And it's 2022 and I guarantee you nine out of 10 of you could never tell me what yours is off the top of your head. Hyatt acts. Why is it that in each town there is a colored doctor and a white doctor in this kind of work? So many people of these tell me to go to a white doctor rather than to go to a colored man. They have no faith. That's taught in the instinct of the blood. Hyatt says they have no faith. They have no faith in a people. Why, Hyatt asks. Well, I'll explain. I'll explain that to you. You see, 68 years ago, which is 74 years ago, it was slavery. The people down here was under bondage and the white man has turned them loose all his life without being an self-experienced man. What he have learned in his days, he will believe what the white man say. Nine out of 10 before he believe what you say. But he'll come to you with a poor mouth and pitiful and ask for you to help. And when you help him, he don't want to pay you. But if he goes to the white man, he'll pay him. That kicked me in my gut when I read that. And I almost started jumping up and down and clapping my hands because history truly really does repeat itself. And I'm so glad that I, that spirit led me to this interview today. And I'm so glad and I really appreciate this ancestor. Even though you did not provide us your name, I appreciate your words and your voice for saying this because I hope that this gut punches every last one of you listening today. Because it's the same thing that's going on in our own community. And I am going to go in on this today. I don't care who doesn't like it. We do it all the time. We will run to Sally and Karen and everybody else and pay them thousands of dollars to teach you tarot. We will run to this, that, and the third crystal shop and spend thousands of dollars on these unique crystals that probably aren't worth a damn. But that black girl selling the same thing, maybe a little bit more, even a little bit less. You, 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 she's nobody, right? We so click to say, buy black on, buy black on. But most of you, when you say that, you mean buy black on from me. You don't mean that you're going to go out here and do it. You mean buy black on from me, right? That, that self-love that turns the selfishness that we talked about two episodes ago. And here it is, 1938. And we have an ancestor who is calling each and every last one of us out on it that it is not he even even so eloquently gave us the definitive source as to where this thinking is derivative from it's a slavery mindset that even though you were set free the only person that you trust is the white man that fed you and clothed you and told you what to do you, you, you still have this unsubconscious mindset of white is right instead of appreciating, trusting, and believing in, and most importantly, supporting your fellow people of color.
When you got your tax return, you ran to her, to, to, to Karen's crystal shop. But when you didn't have anything, just as he said, the mouths come poor and pitiful with a hand out. And what this man is saying in so many words is that I don't get as much money as I need because I'm doing a lot of work for my community and they're not pouring back into me. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm giving my shows. I'm 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 doing my readings. I'm doing this. I'm 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 helping and my people are not pouring back into me the way they're supposed to. That even in 1938 our practice was already being distorted. It's, you guys think that it's something new that 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 this is something that just started happening and on because social media is evident. Our practice has been stripped, distorted, resold, and remonetized by every other face that isn't black since before we even knew what social media was. Now, what I'm not gonna do is have a trauma bonding moment with you because I don't believe in that. What I am going to do is to tell you to change the narrative by looking yourself in the face and rethinking where your support is going, rethinking and reshifting your mindset as it comes to support. And I also want to take this time to give a gracious, the biggest gracious thanks to all of our supporters that have supported us from $1 to thousands of dollars to make sure that Hoodoo Conjure Root Work LLC is still going strong. We graciously thank you and we look forward to fellowshipping and communing with you in the future. The Hoodoo and Chill podcast will return after this short ad break. Did you know that the Hoodoo Conjure Root Work Academy is accepting new students? That's right. The HCR Gold Academy is a unique experience tailored to practitioners of all levels. It doesn't matter if you're brand new to the practice or want to enhance your craft. The HCR Gold Academy has a place for you. All students have access to monthly classes, rituals, lectures, and student discounts as well as the best Hoodoo Network available. Go to HoodooConjureRootWork.com to enroll in classes today. Again, that is HoodooConjureRootWork.com. Thanks for listening to the show. Do you like what you hear? Well, we want to hear from you. Join the Hoodoo Conjure Rootwork Discord server. Use the link in the show description to join the official Hoodoo Conjure Rootwork Discord group chat. See you there. Those are the last words of his interview going as far as his history and his backstory. Last very powerful words that I want to thank Brother Cosmic, Dr. Cosmic, coming on our show uh, and just speaking on because he pretty much said the same thing that everything that we're doing in hoodoo conjure and root work i can show you in the bible where there is a definitive source as to the application of what you're doing it's right there and i just wanted to you know elevate those last powerful words from our speaker i thought that i was just i mean this this interview is very powerful i love this man and the way he speaks and just how real he keeps it and just how aware socially he is you know 
I think social consciousness and awareness will present itself in many different forms and just the level of his social consciousness and awareness in a time where our people were perceived to be socially behind. I think that it's groundbreaking. So now let's get into what most of you came here for today, which is the work. And uh, there are three specific workings in this that I wanted to highlight. Now, we have to remind ourselves that every worker works differently. You will never find two hoodoo uh, doctors, conjurers, or root workers who are going to give you the same thing. Everyone does something differently. I'm going to say that again. Everyone does things differently. Okay? So... In the beginning of our interview, our doctor pretty much tells us that most of his work is surrounded around women's trouble. He works with a lot of women. He does a lot of women's work. He is very into uh, relationship counseling and relationship um, workings. So the work that he gives us is very, very feminine forward. So if you are a female and you're listening today, um, this is the time to get your pen and your paper. There is some really good stuff in here. Some of it, some of you may have heard before, but I just love the way that this interviewer particularly gives it to us. I am going to give a quick trigger warning. Uh, this These workings do speak on the use of bodily fluids, quote unquote blood in uh, menstrual blood. So if this is something that you are not comfortable listening to this is the time to tune out and we want to say thank you so much for being here with us today or listening to our show thus far with that being said let's get into it <clears throat> so the first working that he gives us is to trip someone's mind one of my favorite workings i think to do sometimes in a defensive or offensive situation just depending upon the justification level of this you know it is what it is. So let's get into it. Now, they take your hell another time. And what they want to run you crazy. Take your hell and go to a stream of water. And what some other he says behind the Holy Bible. You believe in the Bible, I know. But if he intend to run you wild or run you away from him. He carried a tub of stream of water to the hour according to the six and seven books of Moses. See, we have an hour to do everything. Now, he may even take it at 11 o'clock at night. He may even take it at 12. He may take it at 1, 1 to 3. That would be the limit. And he throw it in there and say, go. Well, your mind will continue to be bad from then on. Okay. So let me break this down because the dialect is very choppy. It's, it's, it's a heavy, heavy Southern uh, accent and let me just break down exactly what this working entails now this is a this is a strong work and this works and this can work in many different ways um i'm not going to get all into the different versions of this but i'm going to specifically focus on his version of this work the importance that i picked out in this was the importance of time Okay, that to me, that was the most important thing in this working because you can do this several different ways. Okay, but the timing of it was what I jumped up and down with because a lot of times we 
talk about in a hoodoo, you know, people say stuff like, oh, you know, do it as you please. You don't have to worry about the time and the day and the moon cycles and this, this, that, and the third and blah, 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 blah. And that's the modern day version of hoodoo. And granted, I do consider myself a modern hoodooist. I really do. And I, I push for it. But, but... I am a traditionalist in many ways as well. And there are certain things that you just have to be mindful. There are certain elements of this that are there for a reason, okay? Timing is one of them. And those of you who follow me, who follow this journey, know that I am always talking about time to the point where when I start talking about it, you all start leaving. Okay, no one's left. Okay, cool. We're good. All right. <laughs> so, um, timing. When he says uh, between the hours of the six and seven books of Moses, that also can be interpreted as the witching hour. And many of you have heard that phrase, the witching hour. See, we take the Bible out of this practice because we don't want to correlate. The Bible doesn't like to show itself and how much in alignment it is with what we're doing. So what was once called the six and seven, according to the hours of the six and seven books of Moses, we have now translated that. Well, we have now whitewashed that phrase into the witching hour. Okay. Now the witching hour can be interpreted so differently, just depending upon who you're talking to. Some people will tell you it's any time between 12 and five. Some people going to tell you it's directly at 12. Some people going to tell you it's like at 1159. Some will say between 12 and three whatever. I'm honestly, none of those answers are wrong. You know, that's truly what you believe in. Now, what can I say to you as a personal practitioner? What can you do to figure out what time is going to work best for you? Well, be observant for one. Make sure that you're up at those times. First and foremost, ask yourself, or are you the type of person that naturally gets up at three four, five, two o'clock in the morning. That's the first thing that I would say to you, okay? Because if your body is naturally waking you up between two, three, four, and five, we, from where I'm from, our superstition is that you, you know, you are a naturally spiritual person. You're, you're someone who can do this work. Now, if my body's naturally waking me up about 3.30 in the morning, almost every night, that's the time that I'm going to do this work. Why? Because that's the time that my spirits are active. They're so active that they're waking me up, my people. So don't fall victim to specifics of time. Because that can be translated so differently, that can be translated regionally, that can be translated personally. Be observant to your own spirit and your own energy. And if your body is naturally more elevated or active at this time, between these times, that's when you should be doing your work. Then there's someone in here that says, well, I don't wake up naturally at those times. Well, set an alarm. Try waking up and seeing how you feel. Try waking up at two in the morning. You may find that when you wake up, you are super energized. And if it's feeling good for you, do your work. So once again, like I said, this time thing, that will be interpreted differently depending upon who you're talking to. But I just thought that was something that I wanted to highlight too. Now, 
Another thing too uh, that I really do love about this working is that he is using a running body of water. And that is very, very important um, when you are doing this work is that you want to make sure that you use a running body of water. Um, no lakes, no ponds. Okay. It needs to be like a stream, um, a river, a creek, something that is naturally moving. And literally, you know, in his work and all you're doing is taking a person's hair um, to the to to the stream at this time of night, speaking your intentions. And the reason why there's why this works so strongly at this time of night is because it is believed that you know when people are sleeping, their spirits like leave their bodies. They're active. You can call on on people's spirits because it's not attached to their body, quote unquote, at night while they're sleeping. It's moving around and it's free and it's active. So they're taking their um your your the person's hair to this stream or this lake at night, excuse me, to this stream or this creek at night. They're speaking their intentions over it and they're casting them away, okay? And it's going along in this running body of water. There's another way to do this, but I cannot say that on air because I feel like it will open up a can of worms. That is something that you probably want to get with me one-on-one -on -one with. So if anyone is interested in learning this in a different way, Book me for a session, sirbeo.com, um, and we can talk about this more personally one-on-one. -on -one. There's a different way to do this, but yeah, that's his way. Moving forward, moving forward, he goes into uh, the use of nation sacks. And for those of you who are unaware of what nation sacks are, nation sacks, in my interpretation, I think I call it a gree-gree bag for women, in my opinion. I mean, that's the best way that I can in interpret that from my mouth. They are mojo bags specifically designed for women. Men, men are not to touch these. Men are not even supposed to make these. That this is something for women. This is a women's power. And a lot of time it was used for in domination over men. However, don't dumb this down. A lot of women use these for fertility or to protect their children while they were pregnant. Some of them, a lot of them use them for luck and stuff of that nature because women could not work. So they, you know, they wanted to stay lucky. They wanted things to happen and things to be more fluid. So don't just dumb the nation sack down to simply that. It has a lot of power. And once again, it is specifically for women. Um, I, we are an inclusive show. I am 110% inclusive to all walks of life. This is something for cisgender women, in my opinion, because menstrual blood is used most of the time with this, okay? There are other things for those of us who walk with a divine feminine energy, but I'm saying this not out of exclusion, out of safety, because we shouldn't put our hands on things that are not specifically made for us. This is a working specifically for cisgendered women because menstrual blood is used, okay? You do not want to use the menstrual blood of someone else. This is not that kind of thing. So that's why I say this, not to be exclusive but for everyone to be safe and for everyone to be aware. What do they do with the bow of the hat? What do they do with that, Haya asks. The bow in the hat? What well, it takes that. A woman have her period, the period each month, and she wear that bow for a length of time. 
just as she going to work and until she cleans up. Then she takes it and she wears it in her shoe for a number of days that she will have on her period. Now she takes that bow away and she puts it around her waist. And as long as she had that, there's nothing you can do. She will wear that bow on her shoe while she's on her period, Hyatt No. She wears it just as she wears the rag, you understand? She takes it out of there and when she comes clean again, she puts it in her shoe. She wears that the lip of times just as she was sick. So some goes three or four days, some goes further than that. She then takes it out, she wraps it up, sews it up and puts it around her waist. That is to master them up for mankind, especially when she loves them. She's got them then. He can go either way he want to go, but he can't stay away. He's got to come back home. So let's stop there and break this working down for a moment, okay? So once again, uh, this is a, a working for women. And like I said, cisgender, naturally born women. Um, because menstrual blood is used in this, and this is a working, um, and it's, you know, this, you know, we're talking about it now. I've already given the trigger warning, okay, that they would take the inside lining of a hat because a lot of men back in those days would wear fedoras, top hats, cowboy hats, and those things. You take the inside lining out of the hat um, and use it, you know, <clears throat> as she was menstruating. And then would sew it, wrap it up in a cloth, usually some type of red flannel or, or something like that. And they would sew it up and put it into the little nation sack sack that they would make and wear it around their waist. Okay. This is very, very powerful. This is very powerful. Be very careful of what you bring to you and who you want to keep next to you. Um, I am not condoning working unwilling people i want to say that this show is given for entertainment purposes only all right so one thing that i do want to speak on is that menstruation blood is used a lot in the hoodoo conjure and root work practice um it is a woman's personal power in link okay and for women who really want to tap into that i would say Definitely look into some more literature on that. Um, Queen Afua is really good with those type of things, as well as some other ladies that I will probably drop in our Discord chat. Um, but yes, very, very powerful link. Um, women have been using that for a very, very long time outside of the hoodoo conjuration and root work practice. So I did just want to... Uh, bring forth that working because I thought it was powerful. And if you can look outside of the what people have deemed as um, unsanitary, I think it's a beautiful working for women. Um, I don't think that, you know, I've never had a period, but I don't, I, think, I don't think that there's anything negative about the natural functions of a woman's body. I don't think that that's anything wrong with that. And I think that we should normalize that you know, like a menstruation cycle for a woman shouldn't be like this, oh my God thing, even though she may be feeling like that. You know, I don't think we should demonize the womb in any way. Robert Johnson speaks of this too, uh, a very famous line in his famous song, Come, in, Come On In My Kitchen. He even says it, oh, she's gone. 
I hope she won't come back. I know she won't come back. I've taken the last nick and nickel out of her nation sack. Okay. So this is something once again, that women have done for a long time. And, uh, these are something that only should be worn, made, and touched by women. All right. Now, another really, really good working that I love that he put in here, and this is the last one I'm going to go over before we close out our show, was how to bring someone back with a letter. Okay. And there's two ways that you can do this. Okay. So let's go ahead and get into how our interviewer breaks this down. You need your blood and you write your name. This is your name whatsoever it is. She wants you back. Write your name going this way. And she writes the name back with coming like this. Understand that? You fold that up and you take the dragon blood, you see? The dragon's blood, you take that and you put that in the four corners of the world, which would be the four corners of the letter. Then rubs it on the letter and put it in the post office. If you know where they have been for the last two years and you send it to him, don't matter if you don't know the street number, he'll get it. And when he get that, he can't stay away to save his life. Let's break this down. You don't have to use blood to do this. You know, this worker is heavy on the bodily fluid links. You don't have to use blood to do this, okay? And I am not a person that even um, pushes blood rituals to the public and things of that nature. I think blood is sacred and it is beautiful. And I think that it should be discussed privately. But because this is a interview that's open to the public, we will discuss this, all right? Now, um, first thing, you don't have to use blood to do this. You literally can use red ink, a red ink pen. You can use a regular pen. Um, I wouldn't use a pencil, but you you don't have to use blood. Red ink can be done with this just fine. You're gonna write the person that you want going the you know the regular way from uh what is it left to right, and then you will go write your name right across there's going backwards the other way. So it's it'll look like two names over top of each other. Okay. And then you would dress the letter. What he caught. And I love the fact that he explained the four corners of the world. Um, if you are unaware of what that is, I think this is an amazing opportunity to write that down because you will hear that. You will hear that interchangeably. Um, not even just with people within hoodoo conjuration and root work. I think in many occult practices, you will hear the term the four corners of the world, the four points. Okay, all of that. And for those of you that are budding spiritualists, and especially those of you that are in my tribe, you should know what this is. Okay. And the four corners of the world are referring to the four points the north, the south, the east, the west. Okay. It even refers to the elements uh, water, earth, air, wind, and fire. Okay. So if you ever hear someone says the four corners of the world, the four points, uh, all of those things they are talking about a crossroads, essentially, or the north, south, east, west direction of things. But most importantly, it, it will probably look like a crossroads. So when we look at a, a letter, it's going to be the four corners of that letter. Okay. And dragon's blood is the incense. Um, you can definitely get the incense, uh, you know, like sticks, but I wouldn't, if you can get the resin, get the resin. Um, if you can't get the resin, 
Here's a little life hack that you can do. You can go to Walmart. They have the dragon's blood incense cones. Get you a mortar and pestle and break those down into a nice powder. Okay, that is a very simple, easy, and very effective way to get you a lot of dragon's blood power. You can buy the dragon's blood incense for probably, hopefully, still a dollar. It may, it, it can't be any more than three dollars at Walmart, I will hope. But the cones and just um, mortar and pestle those up into a nice powder, store it, put it away because you're going to use it for a lot of different things. And honestly, another uh, little tip I like to use mine that way versus burning the sticks. I think it's more powerful. It creates a better uh, smudge. You can smudge this in the morning if you are a person who owns a business or if you work from home to bring in more customers. You could burn a little bit of frankincense and dragon's blood um, over a coal um, in the front door, at the front door of your house or the front door of your business to bring in more um, prosperity and to bring in more success. So we have come upon the hour and I'm going to end here. I think that this was a wealth of information. I really, really enjoyed breaking down this interview with you all. I really enjoyed uh, even gathering the information, even though it takes so long to put these shows together. I really appreciate you all for sticking with me throughout this. I think that that means more than anything because it really takes days to get this information um, and, and put it out like this. So whenever we do a Hoodoo Voices, guys, understand that it's, this is not just a pop-up show. It's a show that we really put some time, research, and effort into. And um, I really appreciate you all for sticking with me today and just learning and listening. So... As always, I just wanted to remind each and every last one of you that you're smart, you are strong and important, you're powerful. Your bloodline is from the best of the best. It is divine. You come from doctors, lawyers, magicians, mathematicians, teachers, kings, queens, warriors, so on and so forth. If you only could see from which you truly came from, you would be so shocked and so amazed. Today is the day that you are going to step out into your prosperity. On this Monday, you're going to step out and take back all that what is deserved of you. Anything that has been taken from you, I commanded to come back. Any energy or situations that have been holding you back or holding you from what you deserve, I command them to be broken and to be loosed. May your hands be like the Midas touch. May everything that you lay your hands on manifest as if it were gold, my people. All right. You step out today and you have your best life. And with that, I release each and every last one of you into the atmosphere. Go to hoodooconjurerootwork.com to join the largest and fastest growing hoodoo network. 